Hello and welcome to the Drexel Basketball Podcast. I'm Dan, I have Nate here as always, and for this special edition on conference realignment, we are joined by Anthony D'Angelo and Mike Brodsky. Um, I'm going to let these two gentlemen go ahead and introduce themselves to the room. Anthony, you want to take it away? Sure. Uh, Anthony D'Angelo, uh, Drexel grad, class of 2012, uh, Drexel Law School grad, class of 15, uh, DACPAC president, uh, 2010, 2011, 2011, 2012, and uh, now I am an attorney. So um, season ticket holder, both men and women, um, you know, big time Drexel fan, and just uh, excited to be here with you guys. Appreciate you coming on today. That brings us to Mike Brodsky. Mike, uh, besides, I think, building Matthews Arena, what else uh, What else <laughs> have you done? Matthews Arena was built my senior year at Northeastern, Dan. Okay. Um, all joke aside, Mike Brodsky, Northeastern class of 93. I was the team manager when I was in school from 88 to 93. I've been involved in the athletic program, athletic program on and off, mostly on since graduation. I currently work at Deloitte and Deloitte's attorneys. Anthony, you'll appreciate me having to say this. I'm here on my own. Anything I say should not be attributed to Deloitte. So Mike Brodsky is speaking here under his own free will, and nothing I say should be attributed to my firm. Um, season ticket holder at Northeastern since graduation. I uh, have two daughters, my oldest our oldest is a junior at Northeastern and our youngest is a freshman at Indiana. All right. Well, it's an exciting topic we got to cover today. Uh, JMU kicked us off this year, I think, in talking about conference realignment um, with their announcement that they were departing the conference. Uh, now this week, uh, the reason for this podcast at this time is we kind of have relative confirmations uh, with three schools, uh, Monmouth, Stony Brook, and Hampton that they will be joining the CIA, taking the CIA to 12 teams as soon as next year. Um, there's some more rumors in the process. We're going to talk about those. Um, and there's also going to be, you know, a, a chance of major changes, I think, nationally, and, and we, want, we want to cover those as well. And for you Drexel fans, we'll be covering the ladies game yesterday against undefeated Towson. Sorry, now, now one lost Towson at the end of this broadcast. So hang out for that one. But for our CAA fans, we want to talk about kind of first um, how to look at this, right? How to how to kind of look at the broader scope of what realignment is. And I think, you know, I see it go on the message boards. You see a lot of people talking about RPIs and kind of how, how a program is. And I see Mike shaking his head no. And, and I couldn't agree more, right? Uh, Mike, what do you think schools are looking at, university presidents are looking at when they're looking for realignment partners? Well, Dan, I think what you need to do is you need to go back and, and, and even as far as why did Drexel and Towson and Hofstra and Delaware leave the American East 22 years ago. Why did the CAA add Northeastern and Georgia State in 2005? Well, the first one was probably more of a, a reflection of what the American East was at the time you guys aspired to be something better. 2005 was the CAA wanted football. Northeastern had a football team. Northeastern gave the CAA six football teams so it could take the title of football from the Atlantic 10 because Tom Yeager thought he was doing a power grab from the A-10. And we saw how that Why did the schools leave since then? Well, those are basketball decisions. Now, you know, the, the, the analogy I always use, Dan, is now we've got 10 teams currently in the CAA. Which, how many of those schools is basketball their number one sport? And let's just set that aside. Let everyone think about that. So why do we expand now? Well, we're down to nine. Okay. Um, this is actually, in my mind, an offensive move by the CAA. Not offensive. <laughs> we, we all can say what we want about Joey D and, and being offensive, but this is an offensive move by the CAA. What are you doing? Okay. So you're solidifying football. Okay. You're adding Hampton, which also appeases William and Mary because they're geographically close. You add Monmouth, which is a football school. Um, but to, to answer your broader question, so now that, you know, and we had Stony Brook, which is another football school who's already in the league, which gives Hofstra a, a travel partner. But if you take a look at what these schools have in common, okay, Stony Brook is a highly regarded academic university with a, a, in that really good medical school, really good research institution. They are a AAU university. They will be, I believe, the only one in the CAA. So that's something that, that when, when you see the press list, you'll say, we're bringing a high academic school to the CAA. Long answer to a short question, but there's different reasons for adding every school. 
but this is not the last. This is not going to be the last we hear of CAA expansion. Maybe not even this year. So no, I'll uh, you know toss it back to you all. But that's my opening salvo here. Yeah, and I totally agree with everything you said. I think that's the you know the one thing you didn't mention obviously is is on the court performance. You know, it's not indicative of what they're looking at. I think you're looking at for programs that are um, sound academically, and um, in in the space race that we're all in right now, facilities, 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 they're going to play a part, right? And then, you know, it's a two-way street. It's not just what can the CAA get from the schools, what can the school get from the CAA? So maybe for the, for, for a school in the South, you recruit kids from the Northeast, like a College of Charleston or an Elon does. Um, you know, how does that, you know, do you need your brand kind of exposed up there? Well, Dan, I, think, I agree. I think that, that in any time anyone asks me, why would Elon want the CAA? Well, all you have to do is look at how many kids from New England go to school in Charleston and Elon right now. When Elon plays games in Boston, they have as many fans as the game as Drexel does or as Hofstra does. Why is that? They are effectively buying good students from the north to go to school down there. And that's they, they did it for enrollment management. So why, did, why is Elon flying to Boston to play sports? Marketing. Why is Charleston doing it? Marketing. Why did Northeastern join the CAA? It gave Northeastern a footprint in, at the time, D.C., Richmond, and Philly, all areas where, at the time, Northeastern was investing heavy dollars in recruiting student-athletes and students and alumni. Um, Georgia State, they, they were just, we, we can kind of forget. They're, they're like Chuck Cunningham, as far as I'm concerned, in the CAA. Well, I guess what I would ask in, in that conversation, I mean, I'm trying to figure out for me, what does Drexel want? And I don't know if anybody has thoughts. That's where it starts for me. What do I want us to be? I don't know if my opinion matters, but any sense of what we want and what our buy-in on this whole thing might be? Yeah, so I'll, I'll Anthony to take that one, I think, because I think we're on the same, same wavelength here. Yeah, I think, I mean, one of the kind of things that I, I think – maybe kind of kick driving this for Drexel is I, I think they partially wanted to strengthen themselves to make sure they weren't left holding any bags. Um, you know, we want to make sure that, um, you know, there's no situation where the conference suddenly starts hemorrhaging other conferences, start cherry picking uh, select teams. And then Drexel's left with a hodgepodge of, schools that are not necessarily convenient for them that want different things that they do. Uh, Jack's obviously doesn't have a football team. A lot of this, a lot of the drivers, I mean, you know, all three schools coming in play football, um, which I don't see as a bad thing. A lot of Drexel fans, I think are, you know, annoyed by those football people and football driving every decision everybody makes. But I mean, it's the name of the game. It's money. Uh, So uh, I think they, they wanted to kind of position themselves to strengthen the CAA as much as they possibly could um, just so that, and, and who knows, maybe Drexel wants to one day make a move themselves, but I mean, I don't know. I don't have that inside information. Dan might know better than me, but uh, you know, I, I think they wanted to just make sure that they were going to be okay, at least through this round of realignment until the next one comes when, you know, whoever decides uh, to join the SEC again. Anthony, yeah. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. And the question I want to ask you as Drexel fans were, what league were you guys in before the America East? The, the NEC? The NAC? I don't even think it's a conference that exists anymore, Thank right? You, it was the ECC. ECC. Right. And as the ECC hemorrhaged members, the only things that were left was a crazy amalgamation of schools. And Jerry Beach likes to joke about this, the, the well-known Hofstra blogger. That at the end of the day, it was like Hofstra – Buffalo, uh, Chicago State, Kansas City, and, you know, who the hell knows else. But this is, you know, in order to keep your automatic bid, you need to have six teams for five years. So what does this do? This starts the clock, okay? It starts the clock, and it also allows if, you know, it's it's purely, and I, I tweeted this this afternoon, this is departure insurance. Joey D just bought the league departure insurance. Okay, let's just say the Southern schools decide, we don't want this, or we're not football schools. You know, Wilmington. You have to wonder what what is Wil- how does Wilmington fit anymore? How does Charleston fit anymore? You know, look, how does Northeastern fit anymore? To be honest with you, but we're, we don't have a place to go. Um, 
if those schools decide to go to the SOCON or the Big South or, you know, if the A-10 decides they want Charleston, we can say, okay, fine, thank you, but we've got 12 now, which is why I still don't think 12 is going to be the final number. Yeah, I want to get there. I, I do want to say, I think that uh, if you're Northeastern, Mike, to your, to your point, if you're Hofstra, if you're Drexel, if you're Towson, I don't so much think of your Delaware. Um, right? You, you don't want to lose game musical chairs, right? Anthony used to put his hold in the bag, right? You don't really have upward mobility right now. There's not a lot of conferences above this that have interest in any of those programs, in any of those programs. So what you, what you can't have is a CAA dissolve. And that's exactly what, what, what you two just said. Um, rally, rally the troops, get a bunch of schools here that are, will follow your vision, that are hopefully rising schools. You get to pick so that, you know, you get some benefits there, but you may have to, you know, adjust standards, adjust what you're looking for to get where you want to go. It, it, Michael, I'll let you talk about, you know, kind of where, um, we'll start with how many teams you, 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 you see coming on the timeline, and then we'll talk about what a target looks like. I see 12, obviously, for next season. Could it be 14? Absolutely. And your next question, Dan, is going to be who? Well, the answer is it depends. Okay. If there is thought, there's several schools of thought. The schools of thought are at 12. If you look at it geographically, there's a weird balance right now. Because what you would call the north is northeastern, Hofstra, Stony Brook, Delaware, Drexel. Who am I missing? Monmouth. Okay. All relatively clustered together, right? Then you've got Towson. They now are in a southern bracket, a southern group with Towson, Hampton, William & Mary, College of Charleston, Elon. Did I miss anybody? Wilmington. Wilmington. Okay. Towson's closest league rival in a north-south split. And mind you, this would just be for Olympic sports. Towson's closest road trip in that alignment is three and a half, three, three and a half hours to Hampton and William & Mary. While they've got all their other partners day bus trips away. That doesn't make sense. If you're doing this model for divisions, all these talks we're talking about divisions and things like that, not going to impact basketball by any stretch. You're still probably going to play everybody in basketball, but humor me with this 12-team division. 12 teams don't work. And I was talking to Pat Scary today, not dropping names, but Pat said I could use his name. And what he was saying was, okay, let's say we do travel partners. How do you do travel partners? Well, you take the ultimate north and the ultimate south, northeastern and Charleston, they become travel partners. Why? Nonstop flights from both cities. You also do Northeastern and Elon, nonstop flights from Boston to Raleigh, even Raleigh to Boston. Then you have, for travel partners, things that kind of make geographic sense. Hofstra and Stony Brook. Drexel and Monmouth. Delaware and Towson. William and Mary and Hampton. And however you want to package up the southern the southern schools. And to your point, Mike, that the flight from Boston to Charleston is about the same time as you're going to take, especially with traffic, going from Boston to uh, Hempstead. You know, it's, it's but again, you've got, you've got two schools there so close. How do you not look those two schools in the eye and say, if we're doing this for cost containment, you're not going to be travel partners. But anyway, that's that, that's just a conversation. But that's why 12 doesn't make a lot of geographic sense. So you got to get Towson in the north. How do you get Towson in the north? Got to add two teams in the south. Beyond Hampton. Beyond Hampton. And I think so now we're getting into the crux of, you know, the fun gossip, right? Uh, naming names. Um, I know, Anthony, you've been taking a look at that. Do you have any thoughts? Um, have you been reading up on kind of what the rumored names are in the South? Sure. I mean, um, you know, our buddy Ryan uh, Drachen, as we, we call him from our, our little Drexel uh, Slack thread, put, a, get, put together a, a nice little list that I kind of have for reference here. But, um, you know, down South, probably the most appealing one that I've heard thrown bandied about is, is Howard. Um, you know, Name program, good academic school. Um, I think Dan, you may have even mentioned it on a prior podcast that there's the, the diversity angle certainly, which which doesn't hurt. Um, you know, and, and and they are in DC, major media market. Uh, they're they're south of Towson, to Mike's point. Um, so that that's another um, that's another one. I, I think the other ones that we're mostly getting talked about were more kind of northern teams like your Fairfields, Quinnipiacs in the Connecticut area i mean once you go once you start getting further south i think it gets tougher in terms of teams that you know guys that are in the socon uh, i'm not sure that they'd be interested in moving from socon to caa I, I feel like that might be at best a lateral move if not 
a step down for for most of those teams. Your your UNC Greensboro's certainly, uh, which would be uh, you know I think a good you know certainly I would I would love to have them, but um, you know a team like that I'm not sure that they would do something like that. So I mean I I don't know I'm just looking at the the list here Furman and and Wofford, Virginia Military and, and Campbell. I, I'm not sure some of those are Big South teams too. It's not all SoCon, but. Um, yeah, I saw, I saw Campbell throw it out there. I, I'm a geographic guy, and I, I just, I'm thinking that would actually link up North Carolina because you figure like Wilmington and Campbell and then Elon, so that would make a little more sense. I know nothing else other than the Camels. You know, you Bowie's need, like, Creek, right? North Carolina. But either way, <laughs> I don't even know how to pronounce that, Mike, so thank you. Yeah, geographic. Yeah. Uh, well, no, the I... other school you think of from that ge- geography is you could always throw Winthrop in because Winthrop is basically Charlotte. Winthrop, Right, Rock Charlotte. Hill. Yeah, it's close. So. My understanding was Winthrop is off the table. Um, oh, really? I'll say that. that, that that's I would take Howard off the table, folks. Um, information. Okay, so I let's have, talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Information I, I have obtained, let's put it that way, indicate Howard wants to be Howard. Howard has a name brand. Hmm. Okay. Howard believes they may be able to do better than the CAA. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Then the counterbalance that there are people at Howard who say, we are an HBC. We are in an HBC conference. If we, Howard, the biggest name of HBCs in our league, bail, we're turning our back on our brethren in the HBC world. Right, wrong, or indifferent, there's two schools of thought at Howard. Um, and then, you know, Howard does give us DC without, but but how often, does the CA need media markets right now? Let's be honest. What are we selling? You know, nothing. So Howard is attractive. But look, who's to say Howard can't say to, I don't know, the A-10, you know, you want another school and they've got what, 13 schools in Philly right now. You've got, you know, joking aside, we've got, you know, yeah. we've got what, St. Joe's and LaSalle in Philly, right? Yep. Well, why can't we add Howard to the mix in D.C.? And have G- GW and Howard. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be on the table. I, I do think if there's other movement, and I'm, I'm hearing less about that today. I tried to, to do some digging around this today on, on as far as other schools departing the MEAC. You know, I, I think some, this is some discussion on the Drexel board. I'm sure you haven't caught it, Mike, but about, uh, you know, the idea that in pulling out Howard and, and, and kind of forcing the big South sand a little bit, that they might try to recruit a couple of schools out of the MEAC. And if, if that domino falls, that then suddenly the MEAC's down anyway. I've heard NCA and T as well. You yeah. talk about schools in North Carolina. The, the two, and I'm going to plead ignorant, is, is NCA and T still in the MEAC or are they in the Big South? I think they're Big South. Okay. So NCA&T is another school I've heard because A, football. B, they bring good golf now with all the attractive attraction they're getting with, you know. Their, their oh, golf. J.R. Smith, right. Exactly, with their golf team. So that's a good fit. I, I heard NCA&T had some interest. Up north, I still don't know what the situation with Fairfield is. You know, you think about facilities. They're building a gorgeous new student rec center. Their, their academics are incredible. They're closer to Northeastern than, than other schools. They're Dean of Students is a Northeast, former Northeastern basketball manager. Their head coach is a former Northeastern assistant coach. Um, there's obvious ties between the two universities. It, you have to pass through it if you're going from Boston anywhere. Um, makes a heck of a lot of sense. Quinnipiac, same thing. Um, Quinnipiac is Quinnipiac. They've got the, A, they've got the facilities. The interesting thing about Quinnipiac is you know, since they built these facilities, they've invested a ton in hockey. So if you go back to your what's your most important sport on campus, does that meet the CAA profile of either football or basketball? No, it's ice hockey. They're they're Northeastern 2.0 kind of a thing with better facilities. Worked out well the first time. Um, yeah. So so keeping it to the south for a minute, I mean, I think I do think you know again if, if something were to happen with the MEAC, I think Howard's still an interesting name because you know they would have to get into the A10. Well, don't get me wrong, Dan. If right? Howard calls Joe D. Oh, and Joe D. Doesn't say yes within the first five seconds. Something's <laughs> fundamentally wrong. But I don't think I think the calls are going the other way. Not I think the, the calls are certainly going the other way right now. We know that, and and um, I think certainly for next year, it's probably off the table unless the MEAC really does dissolve very quickly. Right. Um, not off, not 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 crazy, but unlikely. Um, the other so, so southern schools that were talked about at length early on in the process: Furman and Wofford, um, kind of similar area around Greenville there, and uh, both bring a little bit to the table. Uh, I think they'd be interesting. I'm sure they've been approached. I don't know that they want to leave the SoCon, which leaves you at Campbell, which is Big South. Um, 
I think Campbell's a really interesting name, Nate, to your point. I, I still I still like it as a fit geographically. They'd be small for, for this conference, a small school for this conference. Um, but the two smallest schools in this conference next year will be Monmouth and Hampton, so we don't seem to care. Um, and, and they fit they fit kind of, like you said, the geographic model, and you're desperate to add in the South. If you're desperate to add in the South, you're going to have to compromise somewhere. But, Dan, to your point, who makes the decisions on admission? Who votes? Well, it's university presidents. Right. Do you see your president saying, I want to be associated with Campbell? Uh, more than Liberty. Um, you know, yeah. I, may, I, I may take the University of Baghdad over Liberty, to be honest with you. But, <laughs> and that's another discussion for a Northeastern podcast that, that, that we need to talk about with, 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 you know, Northeastern's association with certain folks at Liberty. But, um, you know, you have to think about it. The, you know, I don't know what Northeastern's president would think. Again, I don't know. I don't want to put my, I'm not speaking for, for Dr. Oden, but, or, or your president, you know. What, what do they think? Stony Brook is one you could look someone in the eye and say, you know, top hundred U.S. News World Report school. They've got a medical school. They're, the Sunni, the Sunnis are a, a fantastic program, etc. Hampton, HBC, you know, all the angles that 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 comes with it. Um, Monmouth, I don't understand. From uh, how do you sell that from an academic standpoint? I don't know. Um, but sometimes, you know, this is a league that took Georgia State. You know, this is a league that took. You know, so sometimes you make decisions for academics, sometimes decisions you don't. The easy reason not to take Campbell is what? Campbell? That's, you know, at least Monmouth, they've got good football, they've got decent basketball, they've got a pretty good baseball team. You know, there's, there's things you can point to. They've, they've got a name coach. So I'll say this. I think the facilities are. In the whole area of Eastern North Carolina, it's like, what's going on? It's kind of you like fly through there to on I forty. I lived in Jacksonville, North Carolina, and I'll never forget getting off ninety five and still another eye on a half two hours until you're there. Is nothing used to that, so yeah, it's kind of no man's land. But yeah, from geographics, that's really it's right along I forty. But yeah, otherwise, you know, I don't know what else they give us. So, so but, but at this point, you're almost it's it's eleven thirty and the bar closes at noon uh, midnight. You got to look around and see what's left, and 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 you know, sometimes you just have to say, okay, you're the best of what's left. We'll take you. But there's still, you know, there's still good choices out there, Dan. But I think the good choices right now are north of Washington D.C. Well, that's right, and that's the tricky part of this, right? That right. is the tricky part of this because you have no guarantee to your point that of all the schools who who might leave, I would say the most likely is Wilmington, right? And and I say that Charleston. because I'd say Charleston. Charleston's got some constraints there. Uh, yeah, certainly if they get asked and they and they can handle the the, the budget yeah. and the move, right. um, but they, you know it's an it's not cheap to move conferences and no. they just moved and you know you look at them from a um, endowment perspective they're, they're the lowest in the league, you know they're not they're not rich uh, yeah. by any means so I don't know that they're moving right this second. I do think it's likely to move in the next couple of years. But I think Wilmington um, is ripe for why are we not in the SOCON um, or the Big South. Why do we want to go into the North right now? It doesn't really do much for our brand. Um, these are not schools. This is not a Virginia-based conference anymore. So if anything, we're feeling all of us when we talk about here. This is a pull to the North, right? It's now so, an I-95 conference. Let's be honest. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, you, you could just call this the, the, the Dolly Madison rest area conference or something along those lines. <laughs> that's where everyone's going to be stopping on the way up and down 95 for games nowadays. And Wilmington's endowment's right there with Charleston. They're not looking to, to spend money on travel if they can avoid it. So if, if it may make sense for them, I think their current leadership wants them where they are, but that, that leadership is, is, it sounds like, not long for for, um, for that school. There may be some turnover in the next few years. So I think they're going to be looking around and making some serious evaluations. So you have schools, to your point, Mike, them and Charleston, we'll, we'll say either one of them is the most likely to leave. Right? You have some real chance of, of losing your southern flank, Um so do you add something that's going to make those teams, schools happier, make, make their lives a little easier from an Olympic sports perspective? Because the A-10 is not going to make that offer. You're not going to be able to do regional Olympic, Olympic sports in the A-10. You're going to be going to St. Louis. St. Louis was probably in the Big East. You're going to be going somewhere. That's, right. that's, that's crazy, right? Um, you know, if you take that offer, and I don't know. But that being said, Dave, that. if you break off St. Louis, and whether they wind up back in the Valley or in the Big East, and DCU winds up where they wind up, and Dayton winds up where they wind up, the A-10 starts looking a heck of a lot like the CAA. 
if you think about it. I mean, just geographically, take St. Louis and Dayton out. Okay? You've got Bonnie's and Pitts, Bonnie's and Duquesne. You've got UMass and URI. You've got Fordham and the Philly schools. You've got Mason and GW. You've got Davidson. How is that, you know, other than the, the Bonnie's, you know, Duquesne thing, how is that different geographically from the CAA? It's not. Well, if the CAA can offer you Southern travel for your Olympic sports, right? That's, right. that's, where, the, that's, what the, I'm that's saying is, where they differentiate. Here's another theory, Dan. Suppose the Northern schools that, who will now have, what, seven votes, including Towson in that model, say, we want Quinnipiac and Fairfield or Albany and Fairfield or Albany and Quinnipiac. And because we want to, you know, we want Northern insurance. Yeah, and I think... Can that happen? You know, the, the question is, can that happen? Yeah, I think Stony Brook and Monmouth, we said it's an offensive move for the conference. I think it's a defensive move for the Northern schools in the conference. Um, if you if you start adding Albany with Stony Brook or Fairfield, and Quinn, then it becomes an offensive move by the Northern schools saying, right. you know, really solidifying a power, power base. And, and you're going to see the conference office move at that point, right? I mean... It's, it's really you really where, where does Joey D live? New York City, I want to say. Providence. Providence, thank you. Providence. I got I got I can't Google. So, I'm, I'm, using Pro- I'm gonna call it Metro Providence. He lives in Rhode Island. So I wanna ask yeah, you're talking about like who the voting who who are the power brokers? Is Drexel one of them? Because you think of like the Big Ten, okay, what Ohio State says is probably gonna have a bigger influence. Like are there any power brokers within the league right now? I mean, John Fry runs the, the the board. I don't know what that gets you, um, but he's there. You know, he's physically present. I, I don't know the answer to that, Nate. I don't know I, that that, the, the presidential angle at Northeastern is one I stay out of, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, you know, we, it's you know we have athletics. He's he's our president. He you know he he probably has my my gut would tell me he has a designee vote for him. Um, you know who that is, you know. I think I know who it is, but I'm not. I don't. I don't want to start speculating about administrative things at Northeastern. That's kind of those are the kinds of things that get alumni in trouble. Because <laughs> I I'd be okay with a northern move. I always I think my first ever Drexel game we played UNC Wilmington, and it was when they were you know that the first time they were at the top of the conference, and I was kind of like we're playing who? Right, I mean, it was a great game, but it just it was always hard for me to adjust. And even like, I mean, we opened up the women's team down at Charleston and Wilmington. You're kind of like, it's weird that we're down there. So I, from a fan perspective, I'd be okay with us being there. But I was curious, someone else has said, you know, our president, you know, you said with Campbell, what are his priorities? I mean, do we get a sense of any sense of that? Like what's his. So it's funny, you know, um, I I actually looked at uh, the website earlier today, kind of preparation here. I prepared Nate Um, and, uh, you know, on the mission statement is actually, you know, extend, expanding their branding into the Northeast. That's like point two in their bullet two in their mission statement from a few years ago. Having said that, you know, that that's a mission statement is one thing. Doing it is another. And there has been a, much evidence that they're putting a ton of weight behind doing it and money into it. It's there. So at least there's somebody that was interested enough to make it a priority for them. But if they're not acting on it, that's a different story. And we can blame COVID. We can blame whatever. I think the mission statement was from like 2017, 2018. So uh, if they haven't acted by now, you, you kind of question it. One other school that I was uh, just kind of thinking about, because I was going to ask about upstate New York. You brought up Albany. I was going to bring up like a school like Binghamton, if I say that right, Binghamton. Uh, but uh, the one school that might be a little bit closer to the south, certainly convenient for Towson, is Maryland-Baltimore County, UMBC. I mean, I wonder if that would be – I think – they're America. Are they Americans? They're Americans. They, yeah, they're yeah. Um. Certainly a little bit of recent uh, pop from the 16-1 upset of Virginia, but, I mean, I, I don't know. Might be a better school than Campbell, <laughs> academically. Academically, it's a, an amazing school. It's, it's probably one of the more academically underappreciated universities in the East Coast, to be honest, to be honest with you. Yeah, 162 nationally. Uh, puts it right there with Hofstra. Um, I, think, I think if the CA had the choice right now, Anthony – they would uh, switch Towson for UMBC. They would, do, and they would do it in a heartbeat. But that's not the conference we live in. So The other variable with Towson is they're on an AD search right now. So keep that in mind. They're, they're in a little bit of a state of flux. 
because they're, they're 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 in an AD search. So who knows where they're going to get their new AD? What their new AD is thinking? What the Towson president is thinking? So, and one last thing about UMBC. Sorry, Dan. Uh, if I'm wrong, I think I'm right. They don't have football. Is that right? No, they do not. Um, so I don't know if that is you know a disqualifier for some of the other schools in our conference. They, they want to add only football members. I don't know. Well, I mean, so far, three for three football, but I don't know if that's a, a must or not. Well, here's what you need to think. What are the northern football schools now? Okay. Right. So you've got Stony Brook, Double. you've got New Hampshire, you've got Albany, you've got Rhode Island, you've got Monmouth, you've got Delaware, Delaware you've got Towson. Did I miss anybody? That that's feels seven. right. That's seven north of Towson. You need six for an automatic bid in football. They have that. So keep these are the numbers. Yet whenever you think about additions and, and potential departures, six is the magic number for an automatic bid. Six they have that, years. but if, if I'm if I'm thinking about it, I want to I want to maybe probably pad that a little bit, right, Mike? Oh, absolutely. Love to get an eight. Well, right. Dan, there's one school we haven't talked about that who's always been the wild card in CAA for what are they thinking and why are they still in this league? The tribe. Yeah. We haven't talked about the tribe. Yeah, There is the perpetual rumor that the tribe has a blank check invite to the Patriot League when and if they are ready. And with Loyola of Maryland in the Patriot League now, and Navy, who's been in the league forever, but that's not as far of a geographic outlier for William and Mary as one would think. So, you know, who knows what the tribe is going to do? Could the Patriot League say, look, we want to go to 12. We're going to add William and Mary in the south, and we need a northern team. Well, if you're looking north, you got gets nervous, doesn't it? I'm sorry? CA gets nervous then. The CAA has to get nervous because if you're northeastern and I don't know anything, and you're saying to yourself, the Patriot League is a stable as you're going to get outside of the Ivy League, right? I can play BU. I play Holy Cross. I've got Colgate. I've got Army. I've got, you know, the Lehigh Lafayette Bucknell group. I've got Loyola of Chicago. I've got American. I've got Navy. Academically, these schools look like me. I've got a rivalry with BU. I've got a rivalry with Holy Cross. Colgate was in our league for 15 years. If, and a good friend of mine is a former Northeastern basketball captain. And his mantra is, if you're in a one-bid league, you want to be in a one-bid league that you could win on a regular basis. Now, I don't know what the impact would be on Bill Cohen's recruiting, but we recruit a lot of kids that choose us over Bucknell and BU right now. So maybe let's just argue that that's not going to change. That's a league you're going to be in the top three or four in every single year. So if you're Northeastern and the Patriot League comes calling, think about from the presidential perspective. You can associate yourself with two service academies, your academic and athletic rival from across the street, Holy Cross, and the, Le the uh, Lehigh Lafayette Bucknell group of, of colleges. Why would you say no to that? Well, I think you'd be losing the flow sports deal, Mike. <laughs> and you know the national branding that comes with it shucks well mike it, it, it you know you make great points and and it, it kind of begs the question what has kept them i mean the only thing i could even remotely think of is perhaps the you know the power of the caa as an f fcs conference over the patriot maybe but i mean it, if it's not that then I, I really don't know what else it could be an invite anthony for the okay. longest time Holy Cross saw Northeastern as a blue-collar commuter co-op school. Now, the academic profile, as we know, has been one, turned to 180 since I was there, but there is still a lot of old guard at Holy Cross who turns its nose down at Northeastern. Oh, 100%, Mike, and I, 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 I should have been more clear. No. I was referring to William & Mary. Oh, William & Mary. Oh, William & Mary, uh, to your point, I think, A, it's football. Um, B, it's we've been in this league. We are a founding member of this league. But other than that, I, I don't know what keeps them there, to be honest with you. you know, because I, mean, I think, you know, travel isn't any that much different. You still got to come north. <laughs> you still got to, you know, you're 
you're in a better league basketball wise, but then again, you know, if they had kept Tony Shaver, they'd still be in good position basketball wise in the CA, but that was a huge mistake. Um, <laughs> pun intended. Yep. Um, but th- that is the, the $50,000 question that I don't know anyone associated with William Mary is able to give me an honest answer. Some people yep. say that that offer is a, an urban legend. Some people say that, you know, it's an, it was an old offer that that, pay, that that William and Mary fans like to toss pull out of their back pocket as, as convenience. No one I know has said officially yes, that's an offer. But keep in mind, the the Patriot League probably doesn't want an odd number of teams. They added BU, they added Loyola. That's the last time they expanded. So what we keep because I'm I mean I grew up in the Lehigh Valley, went to Lehigh mm-hmm. Lafayette games, so it's kind of like a dream for us to see Drexel in that conference. But I mean, we're kind of the same boat too, geographically for that conference. But I mean, what would keep us from going? I think another approach we have, I mean, sure, in a sense, we shore up the CAA, but then another route is to get the hell out. So I'm just curious how we would to that conference too. An invite. If you're in the CAA, what does Drexel bring? And again, the Patriot League expands for, you know, if you take a look at the schools they've added in recent vintage, they added BU, they added Loyola, and Loyola probably doesn't fully fit their academic profile, but it's not like it's, you know, Baltimore Community College. Um, but all those schools, before that, they, they added Colgate, which is, you know, Colgate was 30 years ago. So you think about how that league came together. It was all like-minded academic schools. The, the, the Patriot League has this attitude of, is the school we're adding, can we look at someone in the eye and say, yes, they're our academic peer? Can they say that about Drexel? Uh, I, you know, that's a question that you guys have to answer. I'm not a Drexel alum. Yeah, um, that's a good question, yeah. You know. You're still talking about a top 100 national university, right. I think. Oh, I mean, so exactly. I think that they could reasonably say yes. Right. Um, and I think, I think Drexel and Northeastern would make more sense for that league than William & Mary would, or would leave for that league faster than William & Mary would. Um, I don't think Drexel would because I think they would perceive it locally. There's there's enough local ties to the Patriot League with the Pennsylvania schools where it's viewed as a, a lesser sports league. And, and that's the problem with our fans. Because our fans are like, oh, it's a lesser basketball league. I'm like, when was the last time the CA won a game in the NCAA tournament? When was the last time the Patriot League won a game in the NCAA tournament? Well, and I'll, I'll let Nate talk about this because I don't know it as well as he would. But I would imagine what's really keeping William and Mary out of there, if they do have an invite, is is a few boosters who really like football. Right. Is there's a pretty big difference, my understanding, between CAA football and Patriot football. And Nate, you know, if you want to take that. I can tell you, what was it 2011? I was at the Lehigh game that they beat Duke. I think it was 2011. So at least that was the last time. That was pretty neat. But um, but now the only thing I'm saying here as far as football goes, I'm like, I'm just trying to figure out how viable a product FCS football still is. You know, Northeastern left. I don't know how much money it makes. Um, but you know, I, 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 I just have a hard time. I love football. And by the way, you can use your flow sports subscription to watch FCS football, um, including central Pennsylvania sprint car racing. Um, but you know, I, like that's my thing with football. And that's why I'm curious as the conference even cares about that. Is it enough of a moneymaker that it registers for them? And they, they would have Mary still if he actually had stock in flow sports. Yeah. William um, and Mary still thinks they've got these top echelon, you know, it's a top echelon program and it's, that's just history and tradition at William Mary. I have a lot of friends who are William Mary football and so I'm not knocking it, but they still think that, look, they sell out their field. They've got tradition. They've got the, the, the scholarships are principally endowed and they, they had a very strong connection with in, in coaching in the NFL. So that's something they're going to protect. Um, but you know, you, you take JMU out of the CAA and you know, we, we can mock JMU all we want. They've, talk the talk and walk the walk on the football field. Mm. Um, so that's a big loss. So then the question becomes who fills that void? Maybe William and Mary says, now look, we can fill that void. You know, Delaware's got to be, Delaware just has a new football coach. Delaware's going to be, maybe we can fill that void. Stony Brook may be thinking, Hey, we can fill that void. You know, there is a void now in that league because I think the Villanova, you know, Villanova. Yeah. You think about it, the, the, the tide has suddenly risen because you took out a heavy boat kind of a thing, you know, the waters, I mean, the waters receded a little bit because you took out a heavy boat. So all the, the boats are pretty much in, in, in the same order. So I, yeah, I, I want to, uh, we're going to keep this moving. So real fast, before we get to projections, um, and we'll have some fun, everybody can make their guesses as to what, what we look like in the next few years. Uh, I actually had a question when I'm looking at 
the potential Southern school additions, right? If I look at the schools, I'm relatively certain have been approached by the CAA and, and we'll say um, Wofford, Campbell, and Furman are on that list. And I look at Hampton and I look at Monmouth. Now, Stony Brook was already a football member, so they were already had their foot in the door. But what are the other five schools besides Stony Brook that we're talking about? Seriously, even Fairfield and Quinnipiac, seven schools all have in common, they're private universities. And I'm curious, Mike, and I see your head shaking, so I think I hit something here. If you think that that is a priority for the that for the CA right now, if they prefer to bring in southern school or private schools to public, well, Stony Brook's a public school, so you have to take that off the table. But, again, they're they're already in the league for football. Right, they're, so they're, they're, we're, yeah, they, they're already in the football league, so you, you're not. It's not much of a reach. You, you've already agreed. But remember, CA football has a heck of a lot more public schools, Dan. If you look yes. at it from that angle, yep. so the, the CAA football is a different animal. Um, the public versus private, I. I I don't think there's a concern that you'll have a, you know, look, if I'm Hofstra, I'm worried right now because Stony Brook can outspend them every single day of the week. Um, you know, love Jerry Beach and Hofstra and he has his, you know, they have their rivalry with Stony Brook and they like to think of Stony Brook as the little brother, but well, little brother could be much like Michigan state views Michigan as the, as the, you know, the, the quote unquote little brother these days, because if Stony Brook wants to outspend Hofstra, they have the ability to. Um, do they have the intent to? I don't know. They can't. You, you look in a school that that's got excellent baseball. They've got very good football. They've got really good women's sports. Um, so public versus private, Dan. Uh, I think that it does something from a an equity and spending standpoint. From that standpoint, you know the the risk that you're going to see someone build a, a building like James Madison built in the league right now is less. Because I don't think any of the existing schools in the university have a hundred, you know, if, if Drexel has a hundred million dollars lying around, they're not building a 9,500 seat convocation center. My guess is you guys are building some kind of academic building or, or developing the land right next to 30 street station. Watch center. Somebody right. had to see it. Right. <laughs> if, if Northeastern suddenly landed on a hundred million dollars, I am pretty darn sure they're not rebuilding Matthews arena. They're building a new science center. They're building an engineering research center. So that's where our priorities are from. So, you want to look like other schools? Yeah, Quinnipiac gets you there. Fairfield gets you there. Private, smaller-ish. Private. Yeah, that's where Northeastern's the outlier. We're a ginormous private school. And Dan, who's the largest school in the CAA population-wise now? Delaware. Okay. So uh, Towson, Delaware. Delaware. But the largest private school is Northeastern. Right. How much bigger is Towson and Delaware than Northeastern? Uh, Towson and Delaware, I've got them around 18 and a half. Northeastern's about 15,000 kids. And that Northeastern number, I, it's probably higher than that, to be honest with you. So they're all about the same. You know, the three biggest schools are about the same. Endowment wise, Delaware's got the biggest endowment, believe it or not. And that's a trivia question they've answered. If you ask everybody, you would lose 100% of the time people think William and Mary. Yep. But thank you, DuPont family. Um, Going back to football for a second, you brought up Delaware. I mean, I, I feel like, like, I mean, you talk about filling the void in the conference. You feel like Delaware should football wise be taking over. And if I'm a fan of theirs, I'm, I'm pissed, you know, but I think, and I just go back to, you know, they had Casey Keeler as a coach and it wasn't good enough to make two national championship games or whatever. And when one, they fired him and now they, you know, who's the first name that comes up when they fired the last coach, Casey Keeler, we bring him back because he's doing so well at Sam Houston. I feel like, I, I don't know you guys, I think they've really, you know, wet the bed, I guess. I don't know. I think if Delaware's football had had sustained success and they were selling out that stadium every year, we'd be talking about them leaving the CAA as well because it's not inconceivable that they could have gone with James Madison, either the Fun Belt or the MAC, M-A-C, not M-A-A-C, um, yeah. as part of some deal. Um, that is, history will look back on that, to your point, um, and say, I'm sorry, Nate, <laughs> sorry, and say, um, Delaware lost an opportunity right an absolute huge opportunity that you, that you could not be more correct with Delaware football. Uh, if you were to look Delaware football fans in the eye and say, what if you guys had had the success James Madison would have, they'd say, well, look, maybe we'd be in the Sun Belt with James Madison. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think you, you, you snuck in a point there, Mike, that I just want to, you know, make sure I get a bullhorn behind, but if you're Northeastern, if you're Drexel, if you're really any of the private schools in this conference, there's been a 20 year facilities arms race, 
and especially the urban schools. We lost private schools. But <laughs> we lost. <laughs> you, you lost, and you're going to keep losing. Right. Drexel's going to keep losing. Northeastern's going to keep losing. Right. And that's probably one of your incentives if you're looking at the Patriots or something like that. But yeah. the league, the league that you're constructing right now, the CA that around you, with the exception of maybe some of the private schools who, who you know, we need equity around the state. South Towson, you're going to get an arena, right? right. Um, they're not going to outcompete them. It's going to be a level league. It may not be as high level of a league as, as we had when we had VCU and ODU and, 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 and did some things at the conference, but you're not going to lose the facilities arms race within the league that way. Yeah. Um, so I think that's interesting. So I just want to turn it over, give everybody their shot. It's 2024, 2025. Uh, how many teams are in this conference and what changes have happened between now and then outside of the three that we already kind of know of. Uh, and I'll let, um, Anybody want to take a first stab at it? I'll go first. All right. Um, there will have been 16 teams in the CAA between now and 2025. I don't know how many will be left. I, I, I foresee a break off of the CAA into two eight-team leagues, North and South, each of which will receive an automatic bid to whatever the NCAA tournament becomes when it expands to 96 teams. That's, or it could be the, the North and South split, and then North decides it's going to be a, a power player in the Northeast for mid-major sports and, and starts amalgamating, you know, and incorporating other schools that it doesn't have. And maybe you get that, you know, America East 2.0 that, that, you know, takes the schools that were once in there and the schools that are currently in there and, and has, a, has a mega league. So. All right. Andrew. Or, or my other version is, um, Northeastern's in the Patriot League. Those are the two options. Northeastern, if you're talking about me, I'll unturn like to Northeastern. Two options as far as I can see. We're in a larger reconfigured CAA with the power shift to the north, or we're in the Patriot League. Mike, I, I do want to pin you down on 16 teams. So you're talking about beyond the three that we're adding, which takes us to 12, four more. Who are the other four that you see? Add two in the south. Pick your favorites from Wofford, Furman, NCA, and T. And then the north, I would have to say, I would love to say Quinnipiac and Fairfield. Um, my guess would be Albany because they're already in the league for football and either Quinnipiac or Fairfield. All right. Uh, Anthony, you want to take a stab? Sure. Um, and I guess how many teams are in the NCAA tournament we'll throw in there too. I mean, I've, I've, in the interest of, you know, just saying something different, uh, I'll say 14 teams in the CAA. Um, I, for whatever reason, I, I would say if it's going to be just something tells me if it's going to be Fairfield or Quinnipiac, but not both. Um, uh, Albany does make sense because like Stony Brook, they, they, they already are a football member. Um, I could definitely just piggybacking on, on, on what Mike said, I could definitely see one of those or two of those Southern schools. Uh, I think he said Furman uh, and Wofford, uh, NCANT too, but I would say Furman and Wofford, I, I could see making a move potentially. Um, but 14, I, I, I think just, I don't know, 16 to me, it seems, it seems like a, it seems like a lot. I mean, I, I, it definitely seems like that's where they're trying to go. Um, I guess by 2025, it's certainly possible, but um, in terms of the NCAA tournament, I, Mike seems to be speaking almost in, in, in absolutes that it's going to get that, that, that big. I mean, and he would probably know better than I would, so I'm not here to disagree with him. Um, I mean, it, it, I guess that's not quite half the half a division one at that point, but, but it's, it's certainly more than a third. So, um, 96 is more than a third. You got 350 now in division one. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking 268. <laughs> uh, cutting it by a hundred. Uh, yeah. So, um, but, but to your point, yeah. And the reason why I say 96 Anthony is simply, you know, it needs to be because you're going to have these mega conferences. Um, you know, how do you keep out a, uh, 21 and 10 Oklahoma. That's you know 11 and 7 in the SEC. You know, kind of that, those are the arguments you're going to see. Or how do you take the 
the you know we've got 11 teams in the Big Ten that are over 500 in the Big Ten or whatever. If 500 right. in the Big Ten are better and have won more than 20 games, kind of a thing. It, certainly, yeah. Because I mean, if you're still going to give every other conference a, an automatic qualifier and all these other, yeah, like you said, 16 team SEC, you're going to have to have 10 to 12 teams in the SEC probably getting it. Actually, a, an interesting point there. Do you think they would institute some type of rule where you'd have to finish at least 500 in your major conference? They never no will way. probably. Yeah. No way, because what you'll hear someone say is um, the 7-11 and 11 team that finishes 12th in a 16-team SEC is better than the third team in the AAC or the fourth team in the Atlantic 10 or the third team in the Valley kind of a thing. Right. Well, we just proved, yeah. that, we just proved that a 16 seed can win, right? So clearly you need to brought in the tournament because you're keeping out teams that might have a chance to win the championship. Uh, <laughs> somebody's going to make that. Or argument. what you can see is just an open tournament. Yeah. That, that that's, is, that's another we're, podcast we're, we're, for another time. I say we're going to bring you back for a second podcast on that one, Mike, because I know your thoughts there and I'm excited to hear them, okay. but we don't have uh, the extra three hours we need. Um, okay. Uh, Nate, you're going to get your crack at it. Uh, just because I don't think I have an educated uh, enough opinion. I'm going to say in two years, we're going to be in the Patriot League, and I'm going to have really easy trips to Lehigh, Lafayette, Bucknell, and Loyola. So that's my prediction. Um, but then, um, but more, I want, I want to say one with two points. One is I appreciate we're even having this conversation because I would say two years ago, I was having like, what are we doing? Let's go. You know, we're not going to be serious about winning in Division One. Let's go play Division Three. And part of that has to do with, you know, I'm down the street from Messiah that. I mean, they're athletic. They, they win in women's basketball, field hockey, soccer. I'm always hearing about them in the, the NCAA tournament. I'm like, I just want to win. And it's like just trying to figure out what we were trying to do. So so another point to ponder is, too, how much did last year save us? Not just what the basketball programs did, but you think of what soccer, softball. I mean, we had a number of teams. We went from being this across-the-board mediocre athletic department to actually having multiple competitive teams. So. It's nice to, I guess we're back to being kind of mediocre, but I, I like to hope we can build and at least we're not, you know, we're in a position to be relevant, I guess. Um, and my second point is I, I just appreciate this conversation because like, I think it what separates fans of conferences like ours apart. Um, you know, like I got an email to renew where Penn State football season ticket holders and it's $2,300 for our tickets. And I think I was already debating whether I wanted to get them. my wife can hear me. It's like, but I'm really sitting there like, is it worth it? Um, you know, cause there's a team that went seven and six or paying their coach $9 million to bring back a six year quarterback. Who's not any good. Um, and they're going to be mediocre again at best next year. But in a part, part of it too, I was listening to a Penn state podcast when I was running tonight. And it's like, do you actually hear intelligent conversation about Penn State football? You don't hear that among fans. Like I was listening, like you guys are talking about the backup safety and like recruiting, you know, the random Penn State fan. I mean, they think they have the greatest tailgating in the world and go down south. And that's what real tailgating looks like. Um, but they're not going to sit and be able to talk and have these conversations. So I just appreciate our fan base and the passionate people that, that form it. And this is good conversation. So no, I, I will dare say. Uh, that we have it better. Uh, I, we yeah. thought that for a long time. And, and um, Mike is a guy. Where else, where else in mid-major sports can you text a coach in the league, ask him his opinion? He gives it to you and says, feel free to use my name. So I want to thank Pat Scary. I've known Pat forever. Um, but text Pat, Pat gets back to you. That, to Dan's point, how do we have it better? We have access. And, you know, while people may, may, may knock around that, Dan has access to the Drexel coaches and Beach has access to the Hofstra coaches. And I can text a Northeastern coach right now if I wanted to, but we're at a level where those coaches know and appreciate that there aren't many of us. And, and having folks like us talk about this, I'm sure people can look at us sideways saying you guys spent, you know, two hours talking about expansion in the colonial, go get a life kind of a thing, but <laughs> it's important to us. Um, you know, we want to be able to make sure that our schools are in a competitive conference that has access to national tournaments and is well run and well led now we can knock joey d all he wants and he has as many flaws as as we probably give you know give him credit for but not as many as people like to think he has but this is a smart move it, it is a move that we can all look each other in the eye and say look we 
got some schools that will help the league. And yeah, would I have loved to have gotten, you know, could we have gotten Mason back or Davidson? No, you know, let's stop being unrealistic, folks. You have to get the best that what's available. Yep. So I'll, I'll throw my hat in the ring and say by 2025, I don't think we'll ever have been more than 14 teams in the conference at once, I think, as far as the basketball conference goes. I think you may end up with 16 names throughout that time. Like you, you lose someone on the way out before some come in. Um, I still think, and, and Mike and I mm-hmm. up about this, but Quinnipiac is the next Northern team. Um, and I think it's going to be a hard get, but I, I think they really want Furman. I think Furman makes a lot of sense. I think Furman and Campbell, if I had to look at two, and I think Wofford um, maybe is a little more cost-conscious and stays um, in a place where they're pretty happy. Um, whereas Furman, I think, is a little bit more ready for that jump. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, for sure. Uh, we're looking forward to that. But I appreciate you guys coming on and uh, having a really, really good um, conversation around around this topic. And I know we could probably do another hour or two, so thank you for limiting yourselves as well. Um, we're going to talk about some Drexel women's hoops uh, for a couple of minutes here. That's my cue to get the hell out of here. <laughs> that is. Mike Brodsky, we'll, uh, we appreciate you coming on. And uh, Pat Scary as well. And this has been fun, Mike. Well, you too, Mike. See you, Mike. All right, so we continue on. We talk about women's basketball here and, and particularly the Battle of the Unbeatens, the first Battle of the Unbeatens, because there's another one coming. Uh, that was at the DAC last night. The Drexel ladies took on the Towson Tigers, and it's a good Tigers team. They're number 30 in the RPI. They're a top 100 net team. Um, by far the top rated team in the conference going into this one. Obviously, you had home court for the Dragons, but really big win, really, really big win. I think were both of you there? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, so bo- I see Yeah, both of you guys shining your head. So, yeah, so it's it's great to see. I want you guys to tell me. It sounded like a more physical game than you usually see on the women's side, um, and, and really um, just a lot of action around the basket, and Ryan Leonard was a big piece of this one. Uh, I guess, Anthony, tell us, tell us what you saw. Sure. Uh, yeah, Mariah Leonard was a big piece. Pretty sure she had a double-double, if, if memory serves. Um, I mean, stop me if you've heard this one before. Towson uh, may not have been as skilled as we were, but they were certainly big and athletic. And um, it seems to be a – there are certain teams in the conference that always seem to – recruit the same types of players, regardless of coach. Towson seems to be one of those teams uh, on the men and the women, but uh, it seemed as though early in the game, their strategy was to forget about turnovers, certainly with those, but any missed shot, just take and run uh, and try to get out quick and get up a shot before we were able to settle into our zone, which, you know, is kind of the staple of the women's team's defense. Um, And it was working for a while uh, in the first quarter. And then I think in the second quarter, um, Amy Mellon, you know, threw in some, some different strategies to try to counter that. And it certainly worked. I think we held Towson to six points in that second quarter. And, and that really turned out to be the difference. I think we had scored them by four in the first quarter, um, outscored them by like 12 in the second. And then they outscored us in, in both quarters in the second half. And, uh, you know, ultimately we obviously held on the win, uh, by four, they made it close down the stretch. Uh, I, I was, with Marshall Fleming, friend of the podcast, um, at the game. And uh, we were up maybe 50 to 47 or something like that. And I I told him with like four minutes left, I said, this is a first to 55. Whoever hits 55 is going to win this game. Of course, Towson tied it at Uh, (laughs) 54-all. So I said, Marshall, here we go. And, um, you know, luckily uh, coming out of the timeout, Tessa Brugler hits a big shot and we we held serve. Uh, Huge win. Huge one. Nate, did you did you think we were favorites going into that game? Yeah, you know, I thought the reason I said I had to say something when you asked for conference predictions is when you asked if I thought we would go two and zero this week. I didn't feel like I was like, yes, we're going two and zero. Like I was kind of, I kind of hedged on it. So, um, you know, yes, I do think we're two and zero. I think the Delaware game is going to be tougher than two. Like I kind of expected. I, I, you know, didn't wasn't like I was taking it to the bank, we were going to win last night, but I, I just think Delaware is a better team right now. But, um, but no, yeah, that first quarter was like really entertaining basketball. I don't know how you thought. I mean, we really ran our offense well. And, you know, actually in a sense, I thought we had a chance to like almost blow them out off the bat. And then we missed some layups. So um, yeah. some easy opportunities. So, and then that day, they, and then like you said, they got inside, especially in the second half and took advantage of that. But 
Um, but no, it's just nice. Again, we have a, a team like maybe we haven't had in the past where, you know, we could go inside. So, um, you know, and, I mean, Mariah Leonard was unbelievable. Like ever since I feel like she made that game winner at Charleston, like every game, I feel like she's getting a little bit better. And, um, and, you know, Brugler still misses some opportunities, but it was really big that she hit that shot at the end. I guess Timer thinks it was a travel. I don't, I didn't see it. I don't know. I was going to ask. It was close. <laughs> Very close. Very close. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I mean, I didn't see any replays, but, you know, I didn't hear anybody hollering on their bench either. So, but it was big that she hit that shot. She's making free throws again. So, and that's what really, because, yeah, um, uh, um, Nihil and, and Washington didn't have their best games. I mean, they didn't really shoot the ball well. And we still found a way, and a lot of that was our post play. So, um, but yeah, I, I think last night I thought we win. Saturday, Sunday is going to be tougher. I think. So I think the, the thing that impressed me uh, about that game, um, I didn't get a chance to watch this one, which was exciting. But the Towson, you could tell they're a good team because a good team, you know, takes a punch. You know, Drexel got up on them, right? Towson made a run, and and Drexel answered, and then Towson made another run, and Drexel, and then Towson made another run. You know, I mean, they just kept coming, you know, on the road. That's hard to do. You don't see that, that happen with a lot of road teams really forcing, forcing the issue. And what impressed me more you know, on our side, you know, they made it run. And kind of Amy always felt it. You know, you, you had the feeling where the coaching staff always felt it. You saw um, they ran the same play um, that they ran for the Charleston game winner. I think when the first time Towson had cut down to like six, they, they, they ran the, the out-of-bounds under. Um I want to say Hendrickson, um, you know, you know, um, gets the inbound and puts it right up. It's really impressive to me how they f- kind of feel it and know. I think <laughs> you should think it was Brodsky who told me, um, you know, uh, these coaches, once you get to league play, everybody knows each other's plays, right? And, and the biggest thing is kind of the timing that you throw them. It felt like Amy had really good timing for they're getting close. We, we need to throw, you know, something that we know works. You know that we're gonna be, we know is going to be successful. And it's easy, you know. You, you time those out. You can't run those all day, so you, you you kind of you place them in the game. I thought you did a really good job of trying to answer the thousand runs with that. So not a huge excess on those guys, but I, that popped off the screen at me. Um, so really good playing on the floor. I thought chess match that was one off the floor as well. It's just it's a really good program right now. It's fun to watch. Like I say, it was more physical game, more offensive game. It looked like it was going to be crazy offense that first quarter. Um, just it's a very cool time. And I totally agree, Dan. Uh, Tessa was big in the second half, too. Uh, she had a couple assists in that first half, but I think points-wise, I think zero for her in the first half, which is certainly unusual. I think only three rebounds, so she really turned it on in the second half. Mariah Leonard, I think five or six in the line, if I remember right, um, which foul shooting is not typically her forte, so that was, that was great. Um, one thing that I think just – and I'm not trying to get into a comparison between Amy and, and Denise Dillon, but there were a couple times against this very Towson team, uh, you know, CAA championship game down at Delaware, uh, favored against Towson in the championship uh, after upstart Hofstra knocks off, you know, the top team JMU. And we think, okay, this is ours now. Uh, fall into Towson in the final is, is, is heartbreaking. But since Amy Mallon has taken over this team, it, it just seems as though they have this, the coaching staff and it permeates through the players. And, and, and those of us that are, are at the games can feel it too. It's just a team that doesn't get rattled. They just, no matter what is happening, they all have this belief that they are going to pull the game out and it, I know I feel it, uh, Nate. I'm sure you do too, and, and uh, I think we all do. It's just, you know, you look at Amy; she never seems flustered. She's just stoic on the sideline as always, and 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 they they always find a way. It helps when you have a veteran team like we do. Pretty sure they're starting five seniors slash grad students, sixth the sixth person, sixth player, whatever you want to call her, also a senior. So you know, it, it's as experienced as you get, but. Um, yeah, they, they just – they always find a way. CAA semifinals last year, CAA finals last year, down big, come back. It's just uh, – they just know how they, – they know how to win. It's it's not always pretty. Uh, I think they were 2 of 16 from 3 last night, which is not necessarily what you'd like, but doesn't matter. Kind of unheard of for a women's program to go 2 of 16 from 3 against a top 100 team and, and yeah. away with a win. Towson has good wins this year. Towson's a good team. Nate, you have any last they have good wins. 
Yeah, no, exactly what you said. I mean, I think we called timeout after they tied the game, and, and we've been to enough DAC games over the years, you know, where you're, the sky's falling and you're like, oh, boy, here we go. You know, how are we going to lose this game at the end? But no, I, I'm sitting there, I'm like, Amy Mallon's going to push the right button. And I think that was a possession we went inside to Brugler, and she made that shot. So, um, and then you're like, okay, well, now we can trust our defense on the other end. But no, yeah, exactly. She just seems like she knows. I mean, it's just it's amazing. And then, yeah, you, you talk about the contrasting styles and, and like, you know, almost like business-like for us. But I was like, Towson Bench, you probably saw it there, that assistant who was just wouldn't keep his mouth shut, just really right. obnoxious on the bench. And something, a little thing, too, that was bothering me, like when, I, when we were taking free throws, I don't know if you heard their players were like chirping. Um, and it wasn't just like, you know, you hear a coach or a player like box out, you know, and it's, you know, appropriately or, you know, ironically timed just as they're shooting the ball. But there were a couple like, you know, like almost like, like Evan, my son was hitting the bleacher. You probably heard him. He was really loud. But it was someone almost like making a sound to distract the shooter. So it just came off as just kind of obnoxious. But, you know, hey, but yeah, we just did our thing. You know what I mean? We don't do any of that nonsense. We just show up, play hard, and execute. And that's the the vibe that you get from this program right now. So it's 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 fun to watch. So um, Confident professional that's why on a weeknight you drive down from the camp. I'm like, I'm just like, we got to go to this game. It's for first place. We got home kind of late last night. But I said to Melissa, I'm like, we got to go. So I'm glad we went. So. I'm glad you're glad. I, it's, a, it's a great experience, and I'm glad you guys are getting a chance to go. All right, that's going to wrap us up here. Looking ahead, uh, we have Thursday-Saturday games for the men. Elon, sneaky good team, guys. I really, I'm, I'm still a believer in this team. They're coming off of a nice beatdown of James Madison. Um, and then William & Mary at home, which is kind of a, a must-win, must-win. But the men really need to – they've got four row games coming up. They need to sweep this weekend. Thursday and Saturday, we'll look at that. And then Sunday, of course, the big women's game. Home, Delaware – really, you know, a potential championship preview. Um, Elon will have something to say about that. Towson will have something to say about that. But certainly two, two of the top teams in the conference. Um, so it, it's a fun week ahead. We'll tape again Sunday night. We'll talk to you following Monday. But thanks, everybody, for, for your time tonight, and have a great week. All right. Thanks, guys.